So we can just, we can just start, like whenever we're ready. Hey everyone, uh, this is our uh, first attempt of doing the <laughs> next day podcast. Uh, so we have the This Day podcast, which is a daily podcast of uh, time for scripture, meditation, uh, and prayer. And so this is the next day where we dive in a little bit more into the sermons uh, from Sunday. So we hope to have this out to you by Mondays. And uh, we had some technical issues getting it all set up. So if the sound sounds uh, weird right now, forgive us. It's going to sound better. It only it only gets better from here. And what? Technical issues? We never have technical issues. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, something about here. Uh, St. Peter's uh, United Methodist Church was built on a... Uh, uh, some sort of a burial ground that does not like technology, and they're always attacking us. So anyways, uh, so yeah, we're hoping to do this for you weekly. Uh, I am uh, Pastor, uh, I'm Pastor Chad McElvin, and we have... I'm Pastor Christy Walker, and uh, yeah, super excited. It's our first installment of the Next Day podcast, uh, the next day after Sunday of the rest of your discipleship journey. So I don't know. We got to come up with something. Yeah. yeah. I think we'll clean up a little bit and have more of a, you know, a good format, but this would be our first one. So everyone listening is in for a real treat. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so the main part of this sermon, uh, the main part of this podcast is just to dive a little bit more into the sermons that we've heard. Now on our podcast, you should be, uh, you will be able to hear the sermons from Sunday. We have three different venues on Sunday morning. Uh, we have the Element, we have the traditional service, and we have our West Campus. Uh, we usually have three different pastors preaching at each of those. And uh, so hopefully if there's no technical issues, we can have all three. So some of y'all, some of our listeners have already been listening to those. In fact, those have been some of our most listened episodes, even more than our daily this day. Uh, but yeah, so you can always go back to listen to those. Uh, it might just be Christy and I for a while, but eventually we want to have uh, Pastor Pat and Alex and Whitney, and uh, even if we have other guest speakers as well. Uh, so yeah, just to go over the sermons. Yeah, so let's dive in. So um, yesterday yep. we we talked about uh, Haggai. Well, first, let's oh, go first. into an icebreaker, oh. as if this wasn't already good, but, you know, we want to have fun. <laughs> we want to start with That's an great. icebreaker here. Um, and so uh, we had a chili cook-off recently at our church. And so here's the question to you, both of us, is first, beans or no beans in your chili? Okay. I and was... then second, how do you handle spice? Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, yeah. So, so Christy... Uh, beans or no beans in your chili? I like beans. Beans are great. I'm fine with it. What about you? I, I am just fine. Now, I think younger Chad, little picky Chad, would have been like not liking it. But now I really don't mind it. I don't see why people get so upset. And there, people say you're not a Texan unless... There were a lot of people, like when you asked that question, like, I mean, so many people had very strong feelings oh, about... Yeah. No beans in their chili. I feel like if you're a bean in your chili person, then like you're chill about it. Like if, whether they're there or not, it's like, meh, it's fine, you know, with or without it. But if you're a no beans person, it's like, it's a big deal. 
you know, strong feelings. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know where that animosity comes from, but oh, well, to me, it's just more protein and yeah, yeah fiber, good. you know, all kinds yeah. of good stuff. All right. So where are you with spice? Uh, I, are you a spicy lover? I love spice. I love spicy. I I will say, like, I always get nervous about saying that because then people who also really appreciate spice are like, oh, well, then try this super spicy thing. And I'm like, what if, what if like, we have different definitions of spicy? You know, it's very subjective and, mm-hmm. like, cultural. Like, there's different types of spice. And so, like, I feel like with Thai food, for example, like, I am a baby with spice with Thai food. But, like, I can handle, like – spicy Mexican food for the most part and, you know, stuff that I cook. I, I always have to put my spice on the side, so. No, I know exactly what you mean because I am a a no-spice person. I cannot <laughs> handle it well. Uh, now, I will say there are some dishes and I'll, I will enjoy, but it really, my face turns red. My lips are burning. <laughs> I, I sweat. I sweat a lot. And so, yeah, I understand when it, remember someone, I ask, have to ask someone, Oh, is this spicy? And they say, oh, no, it's not. Then I have to follow up saying, well, do you like spicy food? And if they say yes, then I'm like, okay, then it might be a little too spicy because there's been some milds out there uh-huh. that just destroyed okay, me. It was yesterday too much. at the chili cook-off, like, there was one, didn't you, you tried one, and it was it was sneaky. Oh, no, you put jalapenos in it. But I thought they was. were green bell peppers, but <laughs> apparently they were chopped up jalapeno peppers that looked just like bell peppers. And, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, now, that one wasn't that awful. Uh, but, yeah, there was a, some heat to that one, and I, I did start sweating. Yeah. And, I yeah. I had, they were all good. Seriously, all of the chili, I tried all five or or whatever, however many there were, six of them. them. I tried all, and they were all fantastic. Um, So good job to everybody. I would love recipes. Yeah. So. All right. So so, uh, let's move on to talking about the sermon now. Um, And so so just tell us just a brief, just what was your sermon over? So we talked about Haggai. Um, Primarily the, the, the main kind of point of the sermon was to kind of use the temple that is portrayed in in Haggai uh, as kind of an image of our spiritual lives, um, where we are um, in our spiritual lives and our walk with uh, God. And how in Haggai, we see when when the book starts, it's like they've, um, the people in Israel are building up their fancy houses and all of this stuff. And the temple is in ruins. And so you know, it's essentially just an image for the way that their hearts were at the time, too. And so you can kind of look at these um, at these stories, at these prophetic books, um, kind of like I said yesterday, that you can look at them like you're looking through a window into the past, or you can look at them like they're a mirror and you can start to see yourself in them. And so for me personally, um, I feel like I could just, I mean, this, there was a it was a mirror ball of, of Haggai, like was just mirrors all over it. Um, and so uh, that just kind of brings you to this point of looking at the state of your own spiritual life and asking the question, like, you know, is it, am I just investing in all of these other empty things and letting this, you know, source in my life um, for life itself, right, um, in our spiritual lives, my relationship with Christ, am I just letting that lie in ruins um, and, and focusing my time and energy on all of these other things. So that's kind of the, you know, a 
brief overview of of everything um, from yesterday. What yeah. we talked about. And and just a uh, this is a the first sermon in a series for the Lent season. Uh, so uh, Ash Wednesday marked the beginning of Lent, and so this is this was our first Sunday of Lent. Uh, this is leading us into uh, to the to Easter to Holy Week, and so what you and some of the other pastors have decided was we're going to do a series over the minor prophets. Mm-hmm has nothing to do with them being underage, has nothing to do with them <laughs> being underground digging for gems and all that either. Uh, but this is just more about the size of the book, and maybe we just don't know the most about them. Right. Is that right? Yeah, well, and actually a lot of them we know a lot about. Like Haggai, for example, we know so much about um, about this particular book, probably more than than most others because it was very specifically – Dated and in fact, um, you know, when you look at at books like this, you can even see within the way that it's written, it's it's not um, poetic. You know, it's not like poetry like some of the other prophetic books are, and other books of the Bible. This is prose, right? So when you look at it, it's it's more in paragraph form, and uh, and you can see just from the writing that scholars would look at this book and say like, oh, this was this was for probably from the priestly tradition because the priestly tradition would have written. Um, very detailed and very, um, you know, exact on dates and who it was for and all of that. And so we see that in Haggai. Um, so it, it's not necessarily that they're, we don't know a lot about them um, because of like content. Some of them that's true for, um, but that's not, that's not entirely true for all of them. They're obscure to us because they're just like the tiny books in the back that we kind of like gloss over. And, you know, you feel like you can get the the bigger picture of everything, you know, with the bigger books of the Bible, the ones that we pay more attention to typically, and then just kind of skip over those because it's like, well, these are directly written to Israel or to Edom or to, you know, wherever, you know, it's, it's written to at the time. Um, and and so we just kind of think, again, like we're like, this is, this is a, a past, something from the past, like, uh, you know, this doesn't apply to us. But, you know, what we tend to find when we really dive into them is that it absolutely applies to us. Um, so minor prophets with a, a major heart check for Ooh, us. From minor to major. There yeah. You go. <laughs> yeah, and Haggai's only two chapters long. And, yeah, you're right. Like, it is one of those books where, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm trying to just put myself just growing up, and even just today, I mean, I remember thinking of Old Testament, uh, hear plenty of the Psalms, obviously, a lot mm-hmm. from Genesis and Exodus, plenty from Isaiah mm-hmm. and Jeremiah and things like that. But yeah, some things like Haggai, which you, being little looking through, I'm like, how do you pronounce that? Right. <laughs> and then like... Uh, Hobby Lobby I, doesn't make any signs with verses from Haggai. Yeah, you know? <laughs> is that too many? I mean, we're going to eventually get to some about like, uh, I think along the series we're talking about Micah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's some popular verses uh, that are always out there for that one. Um, right. But yeah, so it, it is always interesting. And I've always wanted to do a study over this uh, anyway, over the Minor Prophets, just because it'd be fun to do a Bible study. And then you say by the end of it, you read this many books from the Bible. I know. Now, are they short? Sure. But like, you could still brag, oh yeah, I totally read seven books from the Bible just through these seven weeks, you know? Right. So it's just kind of where if you did try to do that with Isaiah, that could take well, there's yeah, several months in 66 itself. chapters yeah. in Isaiah, right? Yeah. You know, so that's a, that's a lot. Um, right. But no, it's, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really good. And we're only in this series going through six of the 12. Um, and I, I think maybe a couple more because we're going to 
like Ash Wednesday, we we talked about Amos and Amos, uh, and we're going to talk about um, another one. I think on on Good Friday, we'll we'll have another one. I can't remember which one right now. So, um, you know, we'll we'll get into a few of them, but not all of them. Um, but for I've another been doing, time. For another I know, time. I've been doing my Bible study though, so I'm going through all of them. Oh, it's yeah. been really good. So um, this is a good series. All right, so so you did your sermon over uh, Haggai, and so what did you find? And maybe you've already mentioned it, but like, what did you find was the most interesting about it? Uh, what did you find that was in your preparation uh, for it? For maybe when you were just actually doing the sermon, was there one part that you were just like, "I really love this part," or "This is what really interested me," and I could talk about it all day. Oh man. Uh, well, what couldn't I talk about all day? Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I think the, probably the most interesting thing to me about this particular book is that like, it's kind of a, a continuation of a story that started much earlier. And I mean, much of the Bible is, but what I mean by that is that the first part of, um, people going back to, uh, out of exile from um, Babylon, and of course this is after Persia had taken over, um, right, that that there's a group of people that go back to Jerusalem and they go to rebuild the temple, and that part of the story starts in Ezra. And so um, you kind of have to see hear about like Ezra and Nehemiah. You read Ezra and Nehemiah, um, both of those, those books, which originally were uh, you know, kind of one, they were more one book. It was Ezra and Nehemiah rather than Ezra and Nehemiah, different books, but our canon separates them. Um, but you read those together, that kind of gives you the beginning of this story. Um, and then, you know, also you can read in, uh, you know, kind of parts of Ezekiel, kind of how they're, they're in Babylon, um, you know, and then later on we see how they're, they're, they're able to go back to, um, to Jerusalem. But that's probably the most intriguing thing is that, like, where this story started. And so it's not so much about Haggai necessarily, but just understanding where the the whole, like, the, the history of it, um, the temple having been destroyed, these people coming back um, to, to rebuild the temple and really feeling like they're, you know, you know doing something, um, you know, big and profound, right? Um, the We talked about in on Sunday about who Haggai was writing to. So he's writing to uh, Zerubbabel, who's the governor of Judah at the time. And, uh, and then Joshua, who's the high priest. And we're going to hear about Joshua um, later on. I don't think we are talking about Zechariah um, in our sermon series, but um, we'll talk about it in the Bible study. But, but Joshua's mentioned a bunch more. Um, He's kind of a big deal. He is a little bit of a big deal, deal. yeah. He has his own book. Well, this is Joshua the High Priest. This is different guy. There's a good distinction there, right? Different guy. So, um, so yeah. But the name, yeah, obviously, like, holds a lot of weight to it as well. Um, But Zerubbabel, it's interesting um, with him. So, you know, he's a governor, right, of, of Judah. And what that means is that... Uh, Jerusalem, right? Judah is not its own kingdom anymore. He's a governor of this of this vassal state that is um, really part of Persia now, and so that just like really transforms the whole story and the whole situation, um, because they're you know Israel is like 
constantly the the hope and the dream is to become that like strong and prominent kingdom again and what we see you know happen is that that just like never actually comes to fruition right like they've they never are restored to the glory days of king david um and the the kingdom of israel um so their persia is uh you know kind of the overseer they're the, the empire right and judah is just kind of um, swallowed up in that. Now they're allowed to practice their own religion. Um, so uh, this was interesting too, is that like Cyrus the Great had come in and uh, there was another um, another king in Babylon who um, who was the you know ruling at the time, um, and he basically was uh, he was just not really like you know a, a strong. A strong king, right? He wasn't like a strong um, uh, overseer, ruler of of Babylon. And so, basically, um, what he had done um, when he came in to to rule, um, I think Nebuchadnezzar. I think is the name. If I'm not getting that wrong, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, I challenge you all to name your next child <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Sounds so, like a like some kind of a. I know it does. Sounds like oh, I really wish I could help you lift that, but my nebatinitis <laughs> is acting up today. I can't. Yeah. Um, well, nebatinitis. Yeah, he was kind of a weak ruler, but um, when he came on uh, into power, one of the first things he did was take away the Babylonian like king god Marduk, and so the people in Babylon were just like not very happy with him because they. You know, they were like, "This is our, this is our king god," and he put in this moon god as their um, their main uh, god named Sin. I learned um, the name is Sin. Nothing to do with what we understand Sin to mean, but um, hmm. you know, irony. Uh, but anyway, puts in this moon god, and so people are just like mad. He destroys like temples from Marduk and all of this stuff. Um, and Marduk is not the. The he's Great the, Dane that we see in comic strips. I think that's he's the Marmaduke, sun god. just to Mama. put out there, <laughs> just to make that distinction to anyone who may be confused. That's right. Or just me. Maybe, well, I'm. You know, it, it is confusing these yeah. days. But anyway, um, so basically, when Cyrus the Great came to take over um, Babylon and with the Persian Empire, it was basically just handed over to them by the people because the people were just like he was like I will I'll I'll rebuild your temples for for Marduk and I'll give you money to you know build your temple to Yahweh you know so go back you can go back to Jerusalem and you can do that so he was just kind of like you know seemed like a nice guy and um you know really just didn't didn't cause any kinds of problems and they were having issues with Nebuchadnezzar and so you know Persia just basically came in and took Babylon open with open arms um, and so the people that, that went back, um, this was an interesting thing too, is that they were, they'd been in Babylon for, you know, 70 years, right? Um, in this exile. So most of the people that went back were, you know, like it, they were, they had some reason for going back. Like everyone else had basically just, you know, made a life there. They were, you know, content, you know, they had a, they had a good king situation. I mean, all was well. Um, so, I mean, everything was, everything was pretty good. Um, okay. All right. Picking up again. Um, but you were talking about, okay. uh, the, 
people going back to Jerusalem, they probably had their reasons to. Um, and those were the same people who started rebuilding their houses, correct? Right. So, yeah, these people who uh, went back to Jerusalem, uh, they, they're they the ones who, uh, you know, of course they had to build their houses. They needed a place to live. So that wasn't the issue that they were building houses. But they built paneled houses. Right. But that was 16 years later. And that's what's interesting. Okay. Is that like, you know, this kind of, this starts in Ezra and we see them go back. And so this was when, right, Cyrus had let them you know, go back and send them with money to rebuild the temple. Like it was very gracious to go and do this. But, you know, they're, they have to have a place to live. They are reestablishing themselves. Um, you know, they have, uh, they're still dealing with like famine and with drought and all of that all the while. Um, another thing that happens is that um, <clears throat> they are going to, they're, they're, they're rebuilding the temple and stuff. And then the, uh, Samaria, the Samaritans come back, you know, kind of the people that had been in the Northern Kingdom and, and lived in the area while they were in exile in Babylon, they come and they're like, hey, we would love to help you build this temple. And uh, Joshua and Zerubbabel are basically like, absolutely not. You're going to have nothing to do with this. This is this is our job. We are the people of Israel, you know, get away from us. Those and this darn kind Samaritans of, are just... <sighs> I know, you know, but this is kind of where the beginning of this this issue that you see between the the Israelites and the Samaritans, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you the, see how strong like their pride was really, right? Oh, know. huge. I mean, which like what what does God hate? Pride, right? Yeah. Like, um, so you know they're already they're already going about it the wrong way because the the vision for the temple when it's rebuilt is for it to be a place where people of all nations come and they're worshiping Yahweh and, you know, you know, this one name, this one God, all of these people. So it's like this beautiful vision. And then, you know, this, the second that they get back to rebuilding and are offered, Hey, we would love to help. It's like, no, we don't want your help because you're not Mm. an Israelite as we consider it to be Israelites. So, um, you know, you hear about the Samaritans later on, like the good Samaritan parable, right? So you start to have this basis of understanding, of how Israelites viewed Samaritans, um, the people from this northern kingdom of Israel. Um, so the, you know, the issue that that happens uh, in in Ezra is that we see they these people then the Samaritans kind of go back to uh, the the king, the emperor of uh, Persia at the time, and they say that. These people are, um, you know, kind of they're doing they're doing some bad stuff, and they shouldn't be um, allowed to rebuild their temple. And so they pause their work for a little while, um, and that turns into sixteen years of of pausing their work. And the, in the meantime, they're paneling their houses, right? Um, Which is very fancy. Very fancy. It's like it's like shiplap. That's kind of what I <laughs> I don't actually know, um, but I imagine like the. Uh, you know, shiplap situation and a a very chic farmhouse decor kind of, that's not what it was like at all. Mm-hmm. But, um, but of course, this is where the book becomes like a mirror to me. And I'm like, man, you know, how much do I invest in my home and, you know, making it, it look nice and, you know, and all these things. And how's the state of my spiritual life? You know, how am I being generous with what I have, um, you know, those are good questions to ask ourselves. Yeah, because this, this story, I remember hearing it for the first time, and it could be easily, if you just take it right on the surface, to be bothered by it by thinking, 
wait, so God doesn't want people to have houses, but just fix up the church instead. Because I could just imagine a hurricane coming through and things getting wiped out. And then it's like, if we read this, are we supposed to just go and rebuild the church first? Are we supposed to rebuild our houses first? And that's just looking on the surface because deep down, really, what this is telling us to do is a focus on our hearts, Mm -hmm. to look at what, where is our priority? Is it on ourselves? Or are we really, are we forgetting God? Are we putting God second? Mm -hmm. Um, So so would you say, um, kind of wrapping it all up, all summing it up, like what what do you hope that this uh, sermon does what do you hope it like motivates us as uh, God's people um, as as the church what do you hope it motivates us to do um, I think it and it says it in in Haggai right um, it's work for I am with you right is what God says and so I hope that it would motivate us to kind of do that that heart check or that spiritual check you know ask those questions where am I? lacking in generosity, you know, where am I uh, lacking in patience and kindness or joy, love, you know, like kind of just um, going through even the, the fruits of the spirit as a metric, right, um, in our lives to just see where we can go to work in our lives and on our hearts um, to, you know, make, make it so that our temple us, you know, as the body of Christ, that we truly are reflecting God's glory in the world. Um, and that's what the temple was supposed to do, right? It was it was supposed to be this, like, glorious uh, house of splendor. Like, I mean, you can read in, um, in Scripture how it describes what it's supposed to be like and why it's supposed to be like that. It's supposed to just reflect the the glory of God, you know, in this like, you know, amazing kind of way. Um, and so, you know, it's not so much physical attributes for us necessarily, but it's very much about, you know, how, how we live, what words we're speaking to each other, um, our actions in the world um, that, that really show that kind of, that kind of glory um, that, that we would hope that the, us as the body of Christ, as the temple of God, um, would show. So that's kind of the, I think my hope for the motivation behind reading this and diving into this is just, and it's very Lenten, right? Like where, where are you called to work in this season and to, um, to truly just, you know, dive into, to what it is that God's calling you to, to do, um, you know, to a deeper level or start starting something new or cutting something out of your life. Like, I, I think that these people in the story, right, they're in their paneled homes. Um, you know, I don't think God's like, rip out all the paneling and, you know, I don't, I don't like your paneling. It's like, well, just stop investing there. You know, like, that's not where I want you to be investing. Like, you're, you're pouring into these, these broken vessels, you know, like, pour into something that matters, you know. Yeah, very nice. All right. Well, um, so if you have not had a chance to listen to Christie's uh, sermon, it is available on our This Day podcast. Uh, same place where you find the This Day podcast is there. You can also listen to Pastor Pat's and Pastor Alex's take on Haggai as well. And um, so, yeah, All right, this was our first episode of The Next Day.
This so was very, the yeah. first next day. The first next day. Uh, so yeah, so we forgive, uh, forgive us for again for the sound and all that, but we're going to try to fix things up. This is all kind of a work in progress, but we're very excited to be able to do this. Something we've been talking about for a while. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this actually brings us up to our first ministry shout out. Um, so, and I'm going to be selfish and promote something I'm doing, and that's the This Day Live. Uh, yes. Each each week we're going to try to produ- uh, share different ministries of St. Peter's and other things that we may know. Uh, but yeah, so I think of these almost as sponsors, but we're not getting paid. But oh well. But, but we do want to do a <laughs> shout a out. Uh, but yeah, so uh, This Day Live, for everyone who listens to the This Day podcast, uh, this is just a live version of it. We're doing it on Thursdays through Lent. Um, except for Monday, Thursday is the only Thursday we're not doing it. Uh, but six o'clock in our church's parlor, which is close to the sanctuary, but it's just a, we have a quiet little space. Uh, there'll be some gentle music playing. Uh, it's a, uh, the lights are dim. It's a place for you to go just to be in prayer and reflect. Uh, and we'll, you'll hear some of the same stuff you hear on the This Day podcast, but it's a live version of it, and it's an in-person thing. Uh, some people said they really enjoy the podcast by themselves when they're out walking their dogs, driving to work, but something about this brings a community aspect to it to where you don't have to talk to anybody necessarily, but it's just like you're there with others in a time of prayer meditation, and so it's a really wonderful thing, uh, and we hope that it's something special for during the season of Lent. All right. right. Well, Christy, uh, thank you very much for sharing. And uh, hey, for everyone else, we'll be seeing y'all next week. All right. Thanks for joining us. See you soon.